MSW Media. This is Colin Donnell, and you are listening to my favorite podcast that begins with the letter W. Take that, Mark Marin. Sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. What a show we have for you today. The big show, big one coming up. We got a, old friends, several old friends, several, two. Is two several? Two could be several. We've got Kaveh Zamanian. He is the CEO and founder and whiskey maker for Rabbit Hole. We love us some Rabbit Hole here on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, and we are going to be drinking it. We're going to be drinking a, a new expression of Rabbit Hole that is very exciting. And the man I'm going to be drinking it with, I'm not even going to, I'm not even screwing around. You know, sometimes on this show, I, you know, I'll get on, I'll chat, I'll boy, I'll do 10 minutes by myself. It's like, a, you know, my opening monologue. I'm not doing that today because I'm feeling, I'm a little high strung and you'll find out why shortly. But I also, I just don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone right now. I, I want to have company right off the bat. And so I'm bringing on our first guest right away. He is an actor, a musician, an all-around uh, renaissance man, really. You know him from Arrow and The Affair and Chicago Med. He's got a new record out called Chaos, and I should have confirmed this with him before, we, before the show started, but it's Chaos plus cocktails or Chaos and cocktails. We'll find out. We'll find out shortly. It's a Chaos plus sign cocktails uh, that he did. It's under the name, the, the 1920, which I imagine is his. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. See this? I did not prepare. I'm high strung. I was going to bring him on. My buddy, Colin Donnell. What up, man? What's happening? I'm sorry. I apologize right off the bat. <laughs> you're, you're scared today. You're like, Dad, this is Matt. He, see, he knows Manic Dan. I, I call Colin and I are friends off the show and, and you'll get me sometimes when I'm like this. And t- t- today it's on the show. Yeah. You know, that's if ever there was a time where a little bit of mania could be forgiven. It's right now. It's right now. Okay. I, I mentioned to you right before we came on what's going on. They built a, I live in Venice Beach and they built for 16 fucking months. Is, okay. You're a good idea. Let's have a toast. <laughs> he, he's trying to steady me. I, I have an old fashioned. <laughs> It's okay. It's all right. Cheers, man. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to cheers to you, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. All right. They built this place, took forever, made me crazy. And then it just got bought. And I believe it got bought by a tech bro here in, in Silicon beaches. They're calling it now people that want to get smacked. Ooh. And every day they party there. I'm talking Monday, Tuesday. It's Tuesday right now. We're recording this on Tuesday. Music mm-hmm. blasting or the, the, the Jane Fonda workout is going on over there. It makes me a little crazy, but I'm all right now. Seeing you calms me, my friend. Oh, well, thanks. It's my tired eyes. Can you believe my place in Venice Beach m- makes noise? 
it's a little you're, you're down in like a little hippiedom down these there people, it shouldn't be overrun by you know these people in syria these people in syria think they music. have it bad they don't know Jesus. they don't know pain what i gotta listen to every day you know <laughs> you got, <laughs> no that's i'm not going there anyway man it's good to see you and and yes the, the i'm drinking what are you i got an i made an old-fashioned with the rabbit hole and we're going to talk about the specific rabbit hole, but uh, or we are going to talk about what's in it, what goes into the whole thing. But it yeah. it's it's called the Founders Collection. It's a Ken- Boxer Grail Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey, and we will talk about how special that is momentarily. But I made an old fashioned with it. I and mean, what are you doing? I'm just doing it neat. Um, it it seems when I when I I've got the box over here, and I feel like anytime something comes in a box the first thing I have to do is kind of just check it out as is. And I literally just opened the bottle right before we started talking and man, this is good. It is good stuff. And, and, and Kaveh is going to be on a little bit later to, to really dive into it with us. But you and I can certainly, I have some need here as well. So, you know what, before we get into everything you're doing, let's, 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 let's you and I make like pros and we'll, we'll, we'll taste this thing a little bit. Yeah. So let me just, again, it's, it's, it's a new thing that they're doing. They j- it just came out. It's this is the premier expression from Rabbit Hole's founders collection, in which Cave is going to develop special bottlings that kind of showcases creativity. And you know, you see this across the spectrum with whiskey brands. They're always coming out with different expressions. And this one here is made from the first batches of rye whiskey that that he ever made. So this is ninety five percent rye. And the other 5% is malted barley, but that means you're going to be getting uh, some spice on here. It also has a 114 proof. This is cast strength, yeah. so 57.3% ABV, and uh, it is, it's strong, but it, boy, it doesn't, you don't get overwhelmed by that alcohol, do you? Not at all. There's like, you know, you've I've had other overproof rise that just sort of burn you all the way through, but this one's just a little spicy on the front end, and just smooths out the more it goes, moves towards the back of your mouth. Yeah, I I I find well. So if we're nosing this thing, I'm getting I'm getting there's some, some butterscotch going on here, and you know some definitely some spice, little leather notes, okay, and then on the palate. Hmm. I mean, it's very creamy to me, and 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 also like sort of these bright floral notes going on. Are you getting that as well? Yeah, a little bit of citrus like throughout. It tastes like uh, it's it's really delicious. It's a good one, and it's uh, as I said, it's uh, so it's aged in number three char. That there's uh, the, the various levels of char. Number three, which probably is about, they get about 50 seconds of char there on that wood. Uh, it's aged six years. Now, it's not, it's not cheap. It's, it's $195 a bottle, but I believe they're only doing about 1,300 bottles of this. I think it said 13, wait, the box says it, uh, thir- uh, 1,315 bottles. Make that 1,313, motherfuckers, because we got two of them. Me and you, oh, uh, we're very, we're, we're lucky. We're lucky. Yes. Thanks for having me on the show to do that. I appreciate it. The big reason we're having you on besides you and I tipping back as we are want to do drinking whiskey together, uh, yeah. is to, to celebrate. You got a new record. So 
Is it chaos and cocktails or chaos plus cocktails? Chaos and cocktails. Uh, the plus sign was purely for the design of the album art. Uh, I've got a good good friend of mine who uh, who did the album art for us. Um, a uh, we we took the image from a photo- from a photographer friend of ours, and then uh, our uh, my buddy Michael McCormick, who usually designs for he's designed for a bunch of different magazines. Um, uh, he was with Martha Stewart wedding for a while and you know i was with martha stewart for a while did you hear about that so what's that i was with martha stewart for a while it was a scandal <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> can you um, imagine if yeah. me, me and martha stewart dated that'd be funny look she is an attractive she's core and she's she's fuck me she's the complete package man she <laughs> drinks with snoop dog yep she can cook the shit out of everything and make doilies Make doilies out of anything. You never want for a beautiful tablescape in her home. <laughs> you never will. I'm. By the way, for the record, I have never dated Martha Stewart. I'm just saying. I don't want to get sued here. So it's now. The, am I right on this? Did I get? So I got it right. Chaos and cocktails. And your partner, musical partner, is Brian Usifer. Usifer, yeah, Brian Usifer. So the two of you together go by the, the 1920. Is that am I right now? Correct. Yeah, so the 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 name for the band came as a um I mean it was all sort of a cheeky reference to uh what's been going on in the year 2020. Anything anything I should know about? Uh, the big one. The, the the big thing. The <sighs> the real the global thing. The the mass singer. Yeah. Yeah. I've been keeping up yes. on it. It's yeah. It is quite the phenomenon. Yeah, nine, 19 contestants. Uh, no. So it was, you know, we're, it was, uh, but it also played into the, like you and I, Brian is also a big cocktail fan. Um, and it just seemed to sort of fit this weird thing that we were doing. And then what we, what we did, we had the idea that we would name every single track on the album after a classic cocktail. That brings me to that. I was going to go down. We got the track list right here. And I, how many songs are there total? Eight? There's seven songs on the album, yeah. The first song on the album is The Old Fashioned, which is what I'm drinking right now. It can be made bourbon or rye. I made this with the with the rabbit hole rye, obviously. Sugar, bitters, a little bit of water. That's the drink, The Old Fashioned. Tell us about the song, Old Fashioned. Uh, the song, The Old Fashioned, um, I mean, sort of overall, the, the all of the songs were written during our quarantine period. Uh, and so the, the whole album really is about uh, a desperate need for connection. I mean, that was the whole thing. So when Brian and I first met, we are, we've known each other for years and years, but we talked back in February. My wife, Patty Muren, was doing Frozen at the time, and uh, Brian was the music director for Frozen on Broadway. And he was, I was backstage in Patty's dressing room. He came by to chat for a little bit and uh, we started talking about music and, and the things that we, you know, I'd been writing a little bit and I didn't know, but he actually had moved to New York city to be a pop songwriter and, and producer. So we talked about doing some stuff together. And when we all started having to shelter in place, I put some stuff on Instagram and he texted me right away and said, let's do this. And it became this whole very cool thing 
we're, you know, two people who were very starved for a creative outlet because everything was shut down for us. Um, became sort of a, a little lifeline. Um, you know, we were able to connect with each other. We were able to write these songs. I was, I did all the, uh, all the lyrics for the album, um, all the guitar and, you know, most of the, uh, a lot of the music and Brian did a ton of music and all the production for the album, but we would meet on zoom like this, like once or twice a week. Now I feel uh, pressure. Like I got to write a song with you right now. Yes. Damn it. All right. Let's do it now. I was just listening to Kung Fu Fighting today. Yeah, I was going to say. Can you, you do, could you do Kung Fu Fighting now? Could you get away with it in today's climate? I don't know. I mean, it's a stupid song, but it's when it goes, oh, and then it goes, wouldn't that be cultural appropriation? Carl Douglas, that was who sang the song. <laughs> Carl Douglas did Kung Fu Fighting. Of course, Carl Douglas was African-American. He could also say, well, they, you know, there was a lot of cultural appropriation going on across the board, so where does it stop? Well, you raise a fair point. I should, you know, I don't know. I should just drink more. I, 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 <laughs> I, I can see when Colin gets uncomfortable. He's like, Dan's just, Dan's, Dan's <laughs> in a bad place today. I'm not in a bad place. I'm not. All right, I'm, I'm calming down. No. Let's, let's go back to talking about this drink. About the, the, the song. You got the blood and sand. And the Blood and Sand, of course, is a classic cocktail with scotch, sweet vermouth, cherry hearing, and OJ. Mm-hmm. And I, I particularly enjoyed that song. That one kind of really jumped out at me. I dig it, Thanks, man. man. It's got a real, um, in in some ways, it, the songs kind of reminded me a little bit about a little Don McLean singer-songwriter aspect to it. Would you say that's fair, accurate? Yeah, totally. I think, you know, what we, what we set out to do, because the way that I write, it's lyrically a bit dense. There's, you know, the songs generally have a, a pretty solid, you know, there, there's, there's a story to them. Um, I like to create a story within the song. And uh, so there's more of a traditional singer songwriter vibe to the music that I play on my own. And what Brian and I really tried to marry was that sense of, you know, Americana and, and sort of folksy singer songwritery stuff and put it to modern like pop production. You know, we have beats, we have these, you know, beautiful string uh, uh, instruments over the top of everything we've got. We're using, you know, we didn't, we did everything over zoom. The, we haven't seen each other since we had that conversation in February. So like, there's no band except for Brian and I, I mean, there's so, the only live instruments truly are my voice and my guitars. Everything else was essentially done, you know, through the creation, you know, through uh, plugins and and computer generated stuff that, you know, is amazing these days. It's not like the old 808 days. Well, it's, you know, I I mentioned your acting resume before we we came on, but people should know you have done a, a, a lot on Broadway, tons of musical. In fact, is can I say that you you were you were going to be doing the uh, almost famous uh, on Broadway? Correct. You were the Billy Crudup character. Correct, Russell Hammond. Man, dude, that is it. Still going to happen? Do you think at some point? I mean, how do you, how can we predict right now? But- no, that's you know they they just announced uh, this past Friday, which happened to be my birthday. Happy birthday! 
Thank you very much. You know what I got you? I got you some rabbit hole rye. Yes, you did. This is a great birthday present. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we, we were, they announced on Friday that Broadway is, is effectively shut down until uh, June of next year. And we were hoping to be on Broadway by this time this year. Um, and we hope to be on Broadway, you know, for sure by this time next year, it's, uh, the show is really cool. And, you know, it was, I think a large influence on the creation of this album. I was around these fantastic musicians. So you were already, you were already in rehearsals. You were, you were, how far along was the production? We did the show. We did a full scale production of the show out in San Diego this time last year, actually. Uh, so at this time last year, I was out in San Diego, uh, at the old globe theater. Uh, and we were, we had just mounted the world premiere production of the musical. Um, and it's crazy. Like, you know, it's, uh, Cameron Crowe is super involved in the show. He, he, he wrote the, he adapted the, the script from his movie and he wrote some, uh, he, he co-wrote the lyrics on the, in the songs. Um, and, you know, he was inviting, we had, we had Don Henley come to see the show. Oh, no kidding. Uh, Joni Mitchell was at our opening night. Wow. Um, David Crosby was, was there. Uh, I so mean, this was, this was going to be, I mean, I, you could already tell it was going to be a big hit on Broadway, I think. I certainly hope that when, I, I think it's got the potential to be a really, amazing show uh i it already is and i think when it hits the stage in new york it's um it's going to appeal to a lot of people i think it's exactly what people need uh right now and you know we'll bring it to them as you're saying it i'm thinking to myself i need to go back and watch that movie because that's just one of those movies that is kind of perfect it doesn't there's not many notes that are off in that in that film and it was a really great cast and obviously a, a fantastic story based on Cameron Crowe's real experiences, right? With, but it was Zeppelin though, right? Is it who he kind of based it on? Uh, it's, it, it, it's really an amalgamation of a bunch of different uh, people that he, um, you know, followed along his, uh, along the way in, uh, in his youth. The, the fictional band, the fictional band in the movie Stillwater was based on who? a lot of different bands, but one of them was, uh, uh, the Eagles were a big influence. Um, uh, you know, Cameron was very close to those guys. He was very close to the Almond brothers. Um, I think, you know, there's been, a, there's been a lot of stuff, a lot of interviews with him and the cast recently, because this year was actually the 20th anniversary of the film. I'm so old. <laughs> We all feel it. Um, but there's, and there's like, there's some spectacular interviews with Cameron and with the cast about, you know, what were the real life influences from Cameron's life that, that filtered down to the movie and, and where those things came from. And, you know, I mean, the, the rehearsal process and getting to go through putting up the show uh, and workshopping the show over the last couple of years has been amazing because you know, he's there. So we get to ask him all these questions and he's just the, he's one of the most generous people that I've ever met in the industry period. He's, 
he's awesome. I, yeah, and and just a hell of a, a hell of a talent. And you know, anybody that's not familiar with Almost Famous is kind of his autobiographical story of he was a kid, he was a teenager, and he started writing for Rolling Stone magazine and basically lied about his age or they didn't know how old he was. And then, oh, and the other part of the movie that I just would love to go back and watch again is is the Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Lester Bangs, which is one of the great roles. And he was such a talent. Did you ever work with him? Because he did a lot of Broadway, no. right? Never got no, to work with him? I, I, I remember there was a... One of my favorite bars in New York City was across the street from where he was doing Death of a Salesman. Uh, back in 2011, I was doing uh, Anything Goes down on 43rd Street, and my favorite bar was on 47th Street. And so after the show, I would sometimes go over to- What was the name of the bar? Uh, it was called The Rum House. Uh, right down the street from the Glass House Tavern, it was like- a, I think it's still, it, you know, hopefully it's still there when all this is over because it's just a great place. And the guys who owned it, you know, became close buddies. And so I would, I spent a lot of time there <laughs> and, uh, but he was right across the street. And so it was great. Like I used to like sit and my show came down before his was done. And I would, I would just sit in the bar in the window of the bar and watch him come out and interact with fans and then be on his way. And I just, I never got to see it because I was doing the show at the same time. What a, what a tragic loss yeah. that was. I mean, massive. he, I, I recently watched the master Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And yeah. I, and not that that, that film certainly did get accolades, but I was struck by I, the second time I'd seen it just, what an amazing performance it was, you know, from him. And that was, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, uh, all right, let's get back to the happy stuff and more, more drinks on your, more yeah. drink. The perfect Manhattan is the third track on there. And of course that's bourbon or rye, dry and sweet vermouth, equal parts and Angostura bitters. I know you love a good Manhattan. So yes. that doing that's I guess was a no brainer to put a song about the man uh, called the Manhattan on the, on the, on the record. hundred percent. You know, it was funny. Like as I was going through, I had that idea of naming these tracks after, after the drinks on a, on a random visit down into the city, you know, from where, where Patty and I are right now. And, um, and I, and I looked at her and I was like, what if we named all the tracks after classic cocktails goes along with the band name. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. She's like, it's great. So we whipped out our, uh, our cocktail books at home and uh, started looking through. And there was some that I knew was, we're going to go on, um, you know, the last word and aviation. They just like fit to the lyrics of the song. And it, it just, it all sort of made sense. Yeah. And that, yeah. and as you said, the aviation's on there, which is of course, gin and maraschino liqueur, creme de violette. So what happened with the aviation was that was a, that was a cocktail that kind of disappeared because the creme de violette, I'm, not, I'm fucking butchering the pronunciation <laughs> that basically disappeared in the sixties. That was gone. Okay. And then it got brought back <laughs> around 2006, 2007 and the aviation made its return. And there's also lemon juice in there. And then the fallen angel was one that was, you know, I mean, that's it. That's a, a drink that not a lot of people know. And that's, that's the 
seventh, fifth track on the record. With most cocktails, there are various varying recipes, okay? But the Savoy cocktail book, Fallen Angel, is gin, lime juice, creme de menthe, and bitters. Is that how you would do yours? 100%. There was, it was, it was fun. So in the lead up to the album, I was doing all these Instagram posts on the, uh, I was doing all these sort of just gratuitous, thirsty Instagram posts of me with cocktails. (laughs) But the fun of it was that I got to like, I got to make all of these cocktails and sort of, you know, I, I don't think that I've really drinking a lot of fallen angels in my life, but boy, it was good. Death in the Afternoon. Well, Death in the Afternoon, so that obviously anybody that knows anything about cocktails, uh, old Ernest Hemingway claims to have invented the Death in the Afternoon, and it's a pretty simple drink. It is, um, it's absinthe, and then you pour some champagne on top of the absinthe. Pretty simple. <laughs> but it, It's aggressive. It, it, it is a very aggressive drink, and... Uh, but I mean, hey, it worked out for Hemingway. I mean, he lived a long and happy life and died peacefully in his bed. Oh wait, no, that's not what happened. No, 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 that didn't, that didn't, okay. that, that that wasn't the thing, right? No, I think it ended differently for him. And then, and then the the final uh, song on the album is the last word, which of course is yeah. gin, green chartreuse, maraschino liqueur, and lime juice. Very classic drink that has, again, like so many others, made a big comeback over the last 10, 15 years and really an ideal sort of end to the record. It's, you know, when, so that was one of the songs that Brian actually brought to me and he was like, I have this song, it's called the end. I think it might be good for the final track. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's aptly named. And, uh, and he was like, do you want to try putting some lyrics over it? And it was, uh, and then you know it was it, it continued to have an apt name as it as it went through the changes. But I wrote that song sitting in you know you you know this, and I think maybe maybe your listeners know this, but we just had a baby three months ago. So wait, you made something else besides a record, a record and a child. Damn, dude, you're a busy motherfucker. <laughs> was- I know this. I know you had a baby and. Twenty twenty has been busy. It has been, and we'll we'll get into sort that in a bit. But go ahead, go ahead, continue. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about the having a new addition to the family as well. But it was, uh, you, you know, I, 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 we had to make a trip down to the hospital. It was, you know, we were we live about an hour outside of the city, and we made a trip down to the hospital for some check in or another, as you do when you're when your wife is pregnant. And I, because of everything that's going on. I could never go into the hospital with her. So I'm sitting there and, you know, it was sort of, I think this was right after George Floyd's death. And, you know, it was the beginning of, you know, the, the, the spectacular protests that were happening all across New York city and all across the the U S and, and you were seeing this sort of, you know, hopefully a, a, a shift in the national thinking. And, uh, and so that's where that I was sitting in the car and thinking about all that. Plus my wife inside of a hospital with our baby. And that's where the last word came from. I got to ask you that, man. I mean, where's your head when 
the world has been turned upside down in, in a way that none of us have ever experienced between COVID and then, of course, Donald Trump and then, the, you know, the polarization in this country. And then you've got the, the uh, Black Lives Matter, all these things. Where's your head at when you're like, I'm bringing a child? Obviously, there's joy and there's hope. But is there also this moment of, if we can be frank, where you're like, what the fuck are we doing right now? You know, like, have you, did you ever experience that moment where you go, I'm a little scared? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the short answer is, of course. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think we would, we would have, have to have had our heads pretty far in the sand to not be a little scared by, uh, by everything. And, you know, considering bringing a new little person into the world, uh, in the state that it's in. But I think more than anything, uh, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I think Patty and I share the same, same sort of philosophy about it. It's, it gives you this renewed sense of purpose to doing everything you fucking can to make things better for her. You know, no matter all, all the focus of everything now goes to trying to make the world a better place for Cecily as she grows up in it. And I guess that's the way you have to think about it is that we can't stop making people. Yeah. Got to keep doing it. <laughs> Got to keep doing it. I mean, you, you know, I you do, not me, not me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm maybe, I'm a maybe. I, I told you, I'm a, we've talked about this off the air too. I'm a maybe. It could possibly happen. Ladies, you know, if you're out there and you're listening. Look, no, I'm joking. I hello. Uh, you know, I think, <laughs> well, frankly, we're going <laughs> to, we're happy with the one that we've got for now, but it's, uh, you know, there is something about it. Like it, it, it has made me look at younger generations than me in a new light uh, and sort of like scrutinize them and not sort of old man wag finger. Look at them. It's been like, holy shit, y'all are, y'all are figuring it out. Like if, and your friend is right. I mean, if, if we can sort of, I think if we can not screw it up, to an irreparable place, then maybe I, I, I really think that the next generations that are coming up are, are going to do a really amazing job of figuring it all out. Great. I'll be dead. I mean, I'll be dead. Cheers what good is that the, doing? Cheers to that. Yeah, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, you're right, man. And uh, okay. Let's uh, I, I would think maybe could you play us a, could you play us a little ditty? From the record, yeah, this is a, it's a moment here. I'm gonna, I'm excited now. Playing from Chaos and Cocktails. What's the song we're gonna get here? Uh, I'm gonna play Blood and Sand. Is that is that because I said I liked it, or because it's because you said I liked it? But it's it, it's also the first album. It's the first song that I had written for this album. Um, and you know, a lot of the impetus from it. Well, yeah. Uh, obviously there's a lot of things going on and I've got a lot of friends who, who deal with a lot of outside mental issues and, and, and 
we all have friends who deal with addiction and, and it's a really tough time for them right now because not only are they, you know, dealing with their own demons, but they're also having to face demons that are all around them at the time. So that's sort of where this song came from. Okay. Well, let Colin Donald have at it, my friend. Bottle that sat on the shelf Just opened its mouth Been a while since I seen you Now here's to your health There's chaos around you Afraid to go open the door Just sank to the floor There's ghosts coming for you You know what they're chaos around you and soon you'll be jet setting away with me yes soon you'll be jet setting finally free so take a walk clear your head put your feet on the ground Sit your eyes to the sky, make peace with the sound of the chaos around you. Cause your baby, she's sleeping upstairs all alone with her dreams. She's waiting to meet you, tear your heart at its seams. Free the chaos inside you. Jet setting away with me. Yes, soon you'll be jet setting finally free. Do your best to be kind. Free your heart, let it shine. Light a fire inside you. Let them know when they find you, yeah, you'll be jet setting away with me. Yeah, you'll be jet setting finally free. Yeah, you'll be jet setting away with me. Yeah, you'll be. Awesome, man. Yeah. Love getting a live music performance on the show. That's a beautiful song. I was listening to Cat Stevens redid uh, "Tea for the Tillerman." I don't know if you heard that. He, he he did it. He re-recorded the record. It's been fifty years, and there's a lot of Cat Stevens, I think, in their influence. Sort of that feeling of you know what I I I, I don't disagree. I think there's you know there's there's something about it that like 
I grew up loving all the all, all the folk music from the seventies, all the rock from the seventies, you know, up through the eighties. U two and Bruce Springsteen, and like you know, not that Bruce was an eighties musician, but um, you know, there's there's just something about like trying to write a story and putting it down, and then and and seeing you know where it goes, and trying to have a you know something that people can hopefully latch on to and, and, and relate to. And I think that was sort of the goal with this, with this album was, you know, I mentioned it before, but I think that what we were trying to do was connect with each other and then, and, and, and try to write some music that people could connect to. Cause I know music has been a lifeline for me going through all this and really throughout my life. And uh, so, you know, we hoped that people would listen to it and, and, and find a little bit of, you know, something that they could latch on to that might make them feel a little bit less alone. I think there's it's definitely in there, man. I, uh, I've listened to the record numerous times. A lot of times I'll listen when I go I'm out walking the dog or walk around the neighborhood. It, it's, it brings over a very peaceful feeling for me. And I highly recommend the record to everybody out there. It's called chaos and cocktails. It's available on all the streaming services, of course, and anywhere you buy your music, <laughs> who buys music? <laughs> but no, I mean, I, you know, look, man, you've, you've tapped into, you've, you've had some, you've had some tough times. I mean, remember when you got run over by the car in the affair? That was terrible. Yep. How did you get past that? What if you like know, what if you internalized all the things that happened to you in your role? What if you like do you think Patty would be like, "Hey, um you're like, "Babe, did you see what happened? I lost oh a patient. God. I lost a patient in the ER today." Honey, that's Just your role. Come, come home and be the most insufferable asshole ever. <laughs> like Leo's Tough like, "Tough day at work, babe." Yeah. Leo's yeah. like, "I lost my fortune on Wall Street." Uh, no, that would be yeah. Whatever, I'd probably do that. Um, let's uh, let's once once more return because the show is called What We're Drinking. Let's once more return. What we're drinking? Yeah, to what we are drinking. Rabbit holes. Yes. Founders Collection Boxer Grail uh, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Now, and I want honestly, I, Colin, I want because you are a. I would I you. I'm putting you in the connoisseur category no you do you drink enough you drink enough whiskey and i you know what you're talking about you and i've you and i've had a bunch of conversations about about whiskey i mean where do you put this i mean i know you i know you are a fan of bourbon and rye and and especially stuff that's coming out of kentucky how are you feeling about this you seem pretty excited when you when you when you open the box and tried it for the first time how are you feeling about I, it? i think it's i i think it's it's spectacular I think it's one of like you know it it it, it rates up there with with uh, I I just finished a bottle of Hill Rock actually the other day sure. and this this like you know it's 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 right up there with all those you know top notch just to and what I think is pretty amazing about this is and Cave who will be on the show in just a little bit and I will talk about this. He's a newcomer to the game. You know, the brand the brand launched I think in 2012. First whiskeys came out in 2016. I met him at Bourbon and Beyond, the big concert festival in Kentucky a few years ago. 
And I'm always a little skeptical when it's the new kid on the block. And I remember the first time I tried rabbit hole, I went, Jesus, man, they know what they're doing here. And rye, rye is a tricky thing. People could be put off more by rye than with bourbon, but when you get it right, it's fantastic. I, you know, especially aged rye like this, I think there's some, it's one of my favorite spirits actually, I think because there's such a, such a wonderful nuance that really like just my palate sort of gravitates towards an aged rye. And I think that he's, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those spirits that you, it's one of those bottles that you look at and you taste it and you're like, well, these guys must've been around forever. Cause they just, they seem to have figured it out very, very quickly. And I've had other, uh, I've had some of their other offerings over the years. Um, but this is just spectacular. I'm a fan of, as well. I'm a big fan. It's the best. And, and, and again, Cave is going to be on and we'll talk to him more about it. I, uh, my man, I could talk to you all day, but, uh, you know, know. then they'll just kick me off the podcasting. They'll be like, it's too long. I could do, I could pull a Joe Rogan. You and I could do like four hours on here. Dan, Dan, this is the, the this is the third time you've had him back. Um, anything new? <laughs> this is my upbringing. Uh, poor Irish Catholic son of a, uh, bipolar mother, alcoholic father. This, that's me. That's this talking where I go, oh, I need to get off. I've been going too long. They don't want this much of me. <laughs> I need you know what I have to get off and go yell at the people next door actually no um you should you should you should have been an actor I'm telling you man cr- I should have been no so by the way speaking of that I, I you know yeah man what besides obviously Broadway's been put on hold are you doing st- I mean is there anything on the horizon is it can you <laughs> uh I'll put it this way um, if anybody's hiring, uh, you know, there is luckily, you know, TV and film has, has started to come back slowly and the way that I am looking at it, cause it makes me feel better, uh, is that, um, I'm really very grateful for this time that I have with my daughter at home. Um, I'm, I'm here in the house with her, with my wife, sharing the duties of a newborn child, um, like a hundred percent. I'm, I'm just here. I don't have to worry about going off to work. I don't have to worry about, you know, flying somewhere and, and whether or not they can come with me. Uh, so, you know, so that's a long answer for no, (laughs) nothing's happening. (laughs) Well, you know, man, I've been, I've been, going on? I've been kicking around the idea of having more, start bringing in some the occasional co-hosts. So now I know I can hit you up when we, we want to co-host, co-host a show. You just got to make sure that they are, um, cause I, I, I can't, I, you're really good at this and I'm good at bouncing off of people. Well, yeah, that's how it works. I'll, I'll throw this, I'll throw it in here. <laughs> You're the proxy for the audience. See, this is how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. But no, I, know. I, I again, I want to encourage everybody out there to check out Chaos and Cocktails. Colin Donald, the 1920. It's a new record. Brian Usifer. Is it Usifer? Us- Usifer. I would have named my kid Lucifer. 
If if my last name was Yusufer, I'd have been Lucifer Yusufer. What a fuck, dude. Come on. You're going to live a good life if your name's Lucifer Yusufer. <laughs> you got to be something. You're like not, you're not, you just, no offense, but you're not going to be the cable guy. You know, they're not going to be like, right? I think you just came up with a new, as soon as I get the, get off this, uh, off taping this podcast with you, I'm going to text Brian and say, well, guess what your name is now? Lucifer Yusufer. Lucifer Yusufer. That's God damn. I mean, cause you and I, for as, you know, obviously good looking and talented as we both are, we don't really have great names. They're just boring Irish names. Irish names are not. Come on. Colin Donnell. Dan Don for the love of sweet soul from Jesus. They're good names. Irish names are fine. I don't think they're as interesting as there are lots of other ethnicities that I think have better names. Even like my definitely says something about us straight away. So Colin, my friend, it's always great to see you and talk to you and drink with you. Frankly, and and listen, and listen, you play music, and I look forward to. I'm going to have you on in the next couple weeks. You're going to co-host with me. Great, because you've admitted you have nothing to do, which is a bad thing to admit to me. (laughs) Now I'm like, all right, now you're in. (laughs) I love it. We'll do that again. Everybody out there, Chaos and Cocktails is the name of the record, the 1920. And if you want to go check him out on some of the other things, if you're streaming, go watch the affair. Although I've given away what happens to him on the affair. But you know what? If you haven't watched it yet, then screw you. I don't. How about this? I have no idea what happens to you on Chicago Med. I don't know. Do you die? Did you get hit by a car on Chicago Med? What if on everything you did, they made you get hit by a car and die? I will tell you, I die often on television. How many times have you died on television? I'm up to three or four now, maybe five. Did you die in Arrow? I, I died in Arrow like three different times. <laughs> Can we kill you on the podcast? Not really, but I'm saying like, could could we sure. fake your death on the podcast? It'd be probably we could increase ratings. I'll stick I'll, I'll stick my head in the oven back here. He, he he choked on a Negroni. I don't know. It's never happened before. He, you know, yeah, the cherry. No, he ch- old fashioned cherry. He choked on it. That's yeah, right. So, um, well, look, it man, definitely wasn't the booze. No, the booze that did doesn't that, no. hurt. That never hurt you. On the other side of it, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back with cave. Cave from Rabbit Hole. We'll do a little bit more on this whiskey that you guys should be checking out. Colin Donnell, where can we find you on the uh, social medias? You can find me at Colin Donnell. That's one L in Colin, C-O-L-I-N-D-O-N-N-E-L-L. There might be a little video from this on there, if you're lucky. hey hey All right, we'll be right back on the other side of this break. Folks, I've never admitted this on the show before, but I'm a guy. Yeah, it's true. And as a guy, I'm here to tell you that so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. That's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Treatments start at just $10 per month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. Go to keeps.com slash drinking to receive your first month of treatment for free. Take care of your hair and your hair will take care of you. Well, the rabbit hole mania on this episode continues. Colin Donnell and I got into it, but now we're going to really 
get into it. We're going to really get into the, the Boxer Grail Founders Collection, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey, with the man who made it. The man who is the CEO, founder, and whiskey maker at Rabbit Hole. He's an old friend of the show. We love having him on every time he comes on. Cave Zamanian, how are you, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? It's good to see you. Good to be. Good to be. I think last time I saw you, I was uh, I was uh, doing your your show, your Instagram live. Yeah, yeah. From, you from were. the bunker, a, you're in the bunker yeah, now. That's right. That's right. That's right. It was a lot of fun chatting with you, and and uh, always uh, always good to to catch up. I love the whiskey, and uh, I've I've told the story before. You and I met years ago, probably three years ago in Kentucky at Bourbon and Beyond, and and it was a new it was a new brand. And so, you know, I'm all, especially when I'm in Kentucky where there's all that history, you know, I, I have a fair degree of skepticism when I, when I come across a new brand and there, there are a lot of new brands, but yours just jumped out at me. I was a man, this is, this is legit stuff. And you've been putting out legit stuff ever since. I know Colin, Colin really loved this. So let's talk a little bit about, about this, about the founders collection specifically and what sure. you're, what you're doing with this. Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, you're a discerning consumer, so uh, skepticism is good. I think that all consumers should be um, skeptical and and go in it, you know, uh, having a high bar. So, uh, you know, I've always valued that about your palate and and what you bring to the table. But um, love to talk to you about the Founders Collection. Um, You know, essentially, Founders Collection is just my new platform of uh, doing more fun and creative things, and ultimately. Uh, giving something to our to our fans that's a little bit uh, more elevated, a little different, and um, and and maybe a little bit more in some ways um, all encompassing when it comes to a whole range of whiskey experience. So, if I understand correctly, there were seven barrels, the first sort of rye barrels that you made, yeah. and you call them the honey barrels, and that's yeah, yeah, that's where yeah, the liquid we, came from for this. That's right. That's right, because when you think about a barrel warehouse where you got fifteen to twenty thousand barrels, you know there's uh, the sweet spots that you search for because the whole ecosystem in there is different, and barrels in different spots age differently. So one of the challenges always for for a maker is where do you you know how can you f- search and find um, the barrels that are just perfect? I mean, just absolutely perfect. They come out of the barrel and they're nectar and you really don't want to touch or mess with it in any other way and these barrels fit that description for the lay person out there the somebody who's not dealing with this day in and day out could it could the average somebody that's familiar with whiskey but isn't you know isn't a uh, a master blender isn't a distiller would they be able to taste and go oh, yeah that's the one you know i think so i i think they should if they actually take their time allow the the, their own senses to to kind of guide them. I don't think it's any different than if you're going to a nice restaurant and you're experiencing a dish and, you know, your palate is your palate. I think with certain things like wine and whiskey, obviously you, you can, you're going to get better the more you consume and the more you cultivate your palate. But I think the average consumer is going to be able to have uh, an experience with this product that's unique. And for me, really the the, the main criteria is, am I getting um, that experience that allows me to taste different things? And it, the whiskey in some ways tells me a story of what the grain's about and what the barrels did to the, to the grains and the whiskey. 
when you're going into a project like this, how much feedback and how big of a role does that play from your core consumers, the, the people, because let's, you know, we all, we know this in the spirits and especially when it comes to whiskey, you get your, you get your base, you know, to borrow the popular parlance and they, yeah. they stick with you. How much, how much of their input influences what you're doing with, especially with something like this, with these limited edition expressions? Sure. Well, we have, an ample amount of feedback when it comes to Boxer Grill, which is Kentucky Straight Bourbon, the the basically base expression of this founder's collection. So we know exactly what people think, what they like about it. You know, this to me, um, we didn't really rely as much on consumer feedback because this was essentially myself and a handful of my team members that went through that selection process and the tasting. And one of the questions that we wrestled with is, how is this different than our base? And to what extent really creates even a more elevated experience from a sensory taste standpoint uh, than it does compared to our core product? And that was really the process. And it involved tasting a lot of different barrels and actually rejecting a lot of barrels saying, you know, this doesn't fit the bill. It doesn't really command um, the kind of uh, price point as well as in some ways that in some ways, nod that these seven barrels, um, I think, command. So how does this differ? What's different about this? What's different about the Founders Collection Boxer Grail than, than, the, than the core product? Yeah. So for one thing is the age, right? So this is a six-year product. And um, because this product is aged in toasted and charred barrels, I think somewhere between six and eight to me, Really, and, and I think a lot of experts in the industry will say with Kentucky and what we have with our terroir here, the sweet spot for bourbon and rye whiskey in this state is that six to eight years. So this is right about six and a half. Why is that though, Kave? What, like, what what happened? Too long? It's over extracted? Less than that? You're not going to get enough of the wood influence? Is that kind of? Yeah, that's essentially it. I mean, if it's the seasonality that really plays a plays a factor, right? So if you look at, for example, Scotch as opposed to bourbon. You know, the climate is very different. That's part of the reason. To me, let's say a six to eight year old Kentucky whiskey is probably closer to a 15 year old to 20 year old um, scotch um, expression just because of that seasonality and the ebb and flow of the liquid with the whiskey. And because you're because the wood, it's the first use with, with the bourbon as well. So 100 percent. Absolutely. That's actually a very good call. Definitely. Definitely. Now, and I did mention the barrels earlier when I was talking with, I mentioned that you're using a char three. Can you explain to people what goes into the process of, of choosing the various levels of char? The char three would be what, maybe 50 seconds of char? Is that, it would be? Yeah, closer, probably, yeah, close to a minute, exactly. And um, I think actually there's the charring, and like you said, the char level up to, to four, which is the, the kind of longer one, if you would. But charring is just this quick incineration, essentially, of the barrel. For us, the the barrels have another unique attribute. One is that they're all toasted. And what that means is that it's a 20-minute long, slow roast, very much like roasting a marshmallow, that creates this exterior kind of toasted, um, uh, toasting experience inside that I think brings a lot more of that caramel and the sweet notes that you want in a barrel. That's number one. Number two is that um, our cooperage, our partners use wood fire rather than gas 
as a way of toasting and charring the barrels. I think this is one of the reasons that our rye is very different with any other 95.5 ryes that you see on the market. It's that toasting, that wood fire that has a tremendous impact on the liquid. I was thinking that because it's 95% rye and you get 5%, I was expecting usually with that kind of a mash bill, you're going to get a significant amount of spice. Okay. Yeah. And while this certainly does have some spice on it, the dominant notes when I was tasting it were the vanilla and I got some caramel in there as well. I felt like the, the, the pepper, had a nice balance there at the end, but, but this was more, and by no means am I saying that this is a, a, an overly sweet, uh, rye, but it's a surprisingly sweet rye given, given the age and, and the amount of rye that's in the mash bill. Uh, but I, it, it's just, to me, just delicious. And even a, a little bit of citrus in there as well. Where does that yeah. come from? Where do, where do you, well, I think, you know, yeah, for me, for me, it's honestly, it's the wood is probably a big reason for that. All those notes that you mentioned, citrus, I get a lot of herbs. Um, it, I, I get the sweetness for 95% rye whiskey. Um, it is much, much more subtle spice rather than what you typically get in the other um, uh, whiskeys of that, that uh, mash bill. I think the other piece that's really important is that we put the liquid in the barrel at a lower proof. We put it at 110 rather than 125. You get a lot more flavors coming out. So it's a combination of the barrel entry as well as the barrel that I think really brings out a lot of these notes that you're calling out. So again, for the layperson, what's the science there between putting it in at 110 versus 125? Yeah, essentially, if you put it in 125, and most producers put their liquid at 125, because on the back end, when they harvest the barrel, you actually get more alcohol. When you put less, you're you're essentially not getting as much alcohol when you harvest it. But the reason that we do it at a lower proof, because we really want to preserve more of the flavors. I think the other piece that we do, I just remember this, this to, to note as well, we don't chill filter our products. Right, so the chill filtering process is a process that is typically done with a lot of bourbon and rye whiskeys in order to make sure that you know when it's sitting on the shelf, you don't get that clouding. It's a right? cosmetic. It's a mostly cosmetic procedure. Exactly, but when you do that, you're really taking out again another slice of that taste that otherwise would be, I think, to me, really important to keep in the whiskey. So we don't chill filter the products as well. All of these decisions were made to essentially maximize the flavor that we want to bring out in the whiskey. How do you know it's done? You know, it's, it's a great question. I think um, it's a process for me. We go back and forth. Um, we get to a certain point when literally we're tasting the same sample from the same barrel, potentially a couple of times a week, see how it's coming along when it gets closer and closer. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I need to have a trip. I need to have a sensory trip from beginning to end. So from the nose, um, I want to be able to get these um, just uh, intense, uh, in this case, a lot of floral notes that I get, the citrus notes on the nose, and then the finish, all the way to the finish. I like a lasting finish. I want to be able to, once I put the glass down, I'm still having a sensory experience. It stays with me. It's those sweet notes, those herbaceous notes that... Um, you know, just like basil that you, you smell and then you can carry the taste with you. 
I like that finish to stay with me. So the long finish um, is something that I look for that knows to the finish. All of it has got to be telling me a story of what the grains and the liquids bringing to us. It's a term that anybody that has even a passing familiarity with, with drinking with adult beverages knows explain in the simplest way you can, how do you manage to get a long finish in the production of a whiskey you said you wanted the long finish. How do you get it versus a short finish? Yeah, you know, and that's that's for me honestly, that is a mystery. That's where the that's where the art of it comes in. I don't think anybody's got the corner of how you formulaically are able to achieve that. This is where it's that art of essentially selecting the barrel and I think that's what the beauty of this expression is where there's a lot of trial and error and you find the ones that are just actually ready to go, ready to roll. They're mature enough that give you that balanced experience. Um, and then you know when you taste it and you experience it, you know it's ready to go. In fact, for this founder's proof, you know, before we actually do everything, we have a whole series of um, there's 23 bottles that I pick where we talk about it, and this one's one of them actually, when it's just founder's proof. That means that I've sampled these barrels and these barrels have actually given exactly what I've just described to you for me from a from a sensory experience I got it and I say okay this is it this one's ready because I'm getting that long finish and I think a lot of it again comes down to those elements that I mentioned but also age you know the, the you cannot short circuit the aging process and you know this is this is one of those things that's really the the art of it not knowing exactly where each barrel is going to land given the rickhouse and where it's sitting in relation to this desired outcome. Well, and I think it's like any art form, and I consider the production of, of spirits an art form, the feel has a lot to do with it. You know, it, it is not, you know, maybe people have this impression that you've got a lab, and there are labs in, in every distillery as well, and there is a, a huge scientific component, and there are exacting, you know, down to the, down to the decibel. But ultimately, at the end, what ends up in that bottle tends to be there's a, a luck element to it. There's a lot of chance to it. And I would imagine it's much like creating a song where you, you hit a note and you go, Oh, that wow, there's that note. That's the one I didn't know I wanted that note, but there it is. And so, so much of it, I think is the feel that ultimately rests with you, with your now that said, are you cognizant of what your, your customers want while you're doing that? Are you, are you thinking, boy, I don't want to deviate too far away from what rabbit hole is or has been so far, or do you don't care? Are you, are you going, you know what, screw it. Let's, let's go for it. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't really think about the consumer when it comes to that as much. I want the consumer to have a range of expressions that they could ultimately find their favorite kind of if you use a musical kind of example you know we're writing the album and there's a lot of songs on that album and different people gravitate to different songs and that's kind of the way I'm aiming I'm trying to tell a story with all these different expressions but beyond that I don't necessarily think about what specific consumers want because once I do in some ways that artistic component I think gets compromised we try to do what we think is uh, the expressions that are part of what we love and we hope to 
essentially produce different songs, if you would. Um, but at the end, it's really, um, it's the subjective aspect of it that I think is beautiful. That's part of the reason the different brands are, you know, uh, on the market because everybody's trying to put out a different tune. And I think it's up to the consumers to pick the ones that they love. Do you think about cocktails when you're, when you're making it or do you, are you thinking about, Oh boy, that's gonna, boy, that's going to taste good in an old fashioned. And maybe if I put a little bit more of this barrel in here, a little bit more, that's going to just, or is it just, are you thinking about experiencing it neat? I'm ex- I look at it and I think about it as experiencing it neat. When I think about cocktails is that I feel that if we do our job right and we make a product that on its own is spectacular and more importantly has the proof to carry it. That's why even with our core products, we have the products at 95 proof as opposed to cask strength. This is 114 proof. Um, I think that's the extent of what I think about when it comes to cocktails, that the proof has got to be high enough, but on its own, it's got to be spectacular where um, whoever is making the cocktail pulls it and they essentially riff on that as, um, you know, in, in terms of what, what they want to put in the cocktail. Now you made 1300, how many bottles exactly there? 1315 bottles. So one of the questions that I get a lot from people, they'll say, are they being on the level? People have a hard time believing that if you were to sell 1315 of these bottles that you couldn't maybe tap into another you know what let's is it on the level when people do that do you think sometimes people fudge on what they're doing it is completely on the level and i tell you like i said the only difference is that we have i personally have 23 of them that are the founders proof which was kind of like very much like if you think about uh, artists who do that original and then that becomes the template for the other stuff. But other than those 23 bottles, literally there's 1,315 bottles and that's it. Till the next, um, essentially, year, we're trying to do this expression once a year. And uh, when we go through the same process, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be only a handful of barrels that we pick because there's only a handful of barrels that I think are going to fit this bill. Um, and that's basically it. Is it always going to be a rye? No. So, well, so next year we're going to do another boxer grill um, at six, between six to seven year old, but I'm looking to both our cave Hill and high gold as well. And bringing those as part of this uh, founders collection. I do actually have one other one that I'll just kind of uh, put out there for you guys to, to just note and heads up on it. Um, The next founders collection actually is going to be a 15 year old uh, Kentucky straight rye that, um, I mean, Kentucky straight bourbon, I apologize. It's a high rye bourbon that has been part of my personal collection. Um, and I've aged it in Mizunara casks, these Japanese Mizunara casks. And they're not even ready yet. So this is we're still in the, this process. I'm hoping to be able to get it to a point that the next release of Founders Collection would be this 15-year-old Mizunara. Is this breaking news here coming? Is this breaking this news is on breaking the show? news, my friend. This is breaking news. <laughs> Look at that. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Breaking news on that. We don't, we rarely get brain. Nobody really cares to tell me anything meaningful. Uh, but, but no, look at this. What a show. 
I feel special. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, look, listen, I, I, I love talking to you about these things and, and I know you appreciate these things and, uh, and I'm happy to share it with you. That's, that's what I'm working on and hopefully it's going to be the next Founders Collection release. So this one, the Boxer Grail Founders Collection, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey, limited edition. He ain't kidding. 1,315 bottles. How much is left? Do you know? Um, you know, we have just, we released a hundred bottles just out of the distillery. Those are all gone. The rest of them are actually hitting the market, I believe next week. So, so um, how do people get, if somebody out there right now listening, what can they do right now to try and secure themselves a bottle? What they should do is to contact, um, their local, either independent liquor store or the big boxes and just ask for it. And um, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which accounts have it, but I know it's going to be distributed nationwide. Only um, these accounts, these liquor stores are only getting, you know, two or three bottles. So there's not a whole lot of them in each store, but I would call my store and uh, check to see if they have it and uh, put your name on it. By the way, I'm, my bottle's number nine. I'm in the top 10. You're in the top 10, brother. This is special. breaking news, top 10. So I've got one of them, so I hate to break it. And Colin Donnell has one, so that means there's 13, uh, 113 bottles. And you said 100 already gone. So boy, already people are getting depressed. It's disappearing. But again, <laughs> folks, the one you want to look for, it's in, a, it's in a green box, beautiful packaging, Boxer Grail, Founders Collection, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey, hot off the presses from Rabbit Hole, and there will not be another uh, another Founders Collection until next year. So once this ship yeah. sails now, it's, it's $195 yes. uh, retail. So what that means is when you find it on the secondary market, in a couple of months, it'll be $1,500. So if you can get a bottle now, I would highly recommend not screwing around because there are, uh, there are a handful of, of producers, especially coming out of Kentucky. I won't name the competitors, but I have them in my head right now. And whenever, and, and rabbit hole is certainly in that, in that company where something comes out, it's not going to be there very long. So, yeah. but you know, fans, fans of, of the brand already know this and I, hopefully they're already taking steps to get their hands on it because I personally, I don't feel bad. I was going to say, I feel bad that I have one of the bottles and, but no, I don't feel bad. I actually feel great <laughs> that I have one of them. And, uh, and I know Kyle, I speak on Colin's behalf as well. Uh, it's a shame we were hoping you were going to be able to jump on with the two of us, but schedules didn't permit it. But, uh, you know, I know he loved it and had nothing but great things to say about it as well, man. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. Always great to have you on and, and you'll be back. Kaveh is one of our favorites. Kaveh Zamanian, Rabbit Hole CEO, founder and whiskey maker. Where can they find you on the uh, social media? Uh, KZ Rabbit Hole, hashtag KZ Rabbit Hole on Instagram. And, um, um, that's the best, best way to, you know, see what I'm doing and what's going on. And of course, um, hashtag rabbit hole for the rabbit hole distillery Instagram as well. Always good to see you, my friend. And hopefully, hopefully I'll see you in Kentucky soon. Absolutely. It's always good to see you as well. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. This is Colin Donnell. And someday I hope to play Mark Mayer. I'm not drunk, I swear. I'm glad you're recording all this. All right, this is Colin Donnell, and someday I hope to play Dan Dunn in the film adaptation of this podcast.
And that's going to do it for this episode of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Can I get a little bass here? Can I get some bass? Let me get my bass out. Hold on. Slapping the bass. Here we go. Yeah, that's the good stuff. I want to thank Colin Donnell for joining us. Cave Zamanian Rabbit Hole. You got to go get your rabbit hole, folks. Trust me on this. Of course, I want to thank you. I know you got a lot of options out there in the podcastosphere, and yet you choose to spend time with me and my guests and my booze, and we all love you for it. Follow me at The Imbiber on Twitter and Instagram. I'm open to questions, comments, suggestions, naked photos, whatever you want to send me. I care. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we got Christy Brinkley. We got comedians Justin Silver, Christina Hutchinson. Hopefully, Lars Ulrich from Metallica. It's going to happen one of these days. And that's it. Ta ta for now.